Customer advocacy platform Mention Me recently hosted Advocacy Engineered, the world's leading event on the power of customer advocacy. More than 200 senior marketers from brands including Puma, Deliveroo, Charlotte Tilbury, Marks & Spencer, John Lewis, Farfetch, and other big names joined us in London to hear from industry experts on how to drive sustainable business growth in the tough times ahead. This podcast series presents the live recordings of each of our speakers on the day. The one you're about to listen to features Holly Tucker, founder of Not On The High Street, talking about how to build a powerful community of brand fans. My name is Holly Tucker. Um, I am really privileged to stand here. I've, I, I almost had a little moment out in the corridor where a number of people came up to me and I was a bit nervous and made me feel far less nervous, saying how they'd listen to the podcast or get my emails. Um, and so it's brilliant. And coming from marketeers as well, I was like, phew, first question, do I send too many? What do I do right, wrong? So it went down okay. Um, I am, My name's Holly Tucker. I started Not on the High Street back in 2006. And I started uh, my new company, Holly, um, did I say Not on the High Street just then? Not on the High Street 2006, Holly & Co. five years ago. And what I realized is on this journey, um, I think probably the reason I'm on this planet is to help inspire people. Um, it's certainly what I love most about Not on the High Street, inspiring people to go after their dreams, and with Holly & Co, the same thing. But if I take you back a little bit before I go on to some of the things that I have found to be true for my journey and in marketing to people and talking to customers, um, is just going back to how it all started. Obviously, um, we all know the classic when t times are down, and I found myself at 23 um, divorcing my childhood sweetheart. So first lesson, do not get married at 21. Um, second is don't get a brain tumor as well. And don't combine those two things, which is what I managed to do. But I then um, healed myself with um, a vegetable wreath. Now this vegetable wreath, I was always creative. Um, and this vegetable wreath was my savior because like many small businesses, they start because something, you know, the, the crossroads of their lives collide and they need to get out of what they're doing. So for me, it was a vegetable wreath. That led to me asking the question, where can I sell this vegetable wreath? Because I'm going to become a gazillionaire uh, doing less ordinary wreaths. What I found is there was nowhere to sell it. So what I did is I set up a business called Your Local Fair. And Your Local Fair was a small business that I started back in 2002, uh, where I pulled together small businesses under the roofs of town halls um, and it was magical when it worked. It was horrific when it didn't, like the rain we all experienced. That was my first fair, by the way. I had that sort of rain. Um, but what I did realize is that when you pull together amazing small businesses under what was a town hall roof, it worked. And you can imagine where this story is going. So in um, 2006, um, I sent an email to my ex-boss. I had worked in publicist advertising agency since I was 17. And I said, look, I've got an idea um, to bring everything that's not on the high street under this roof called the internet. I think the internet's gonna be a big thing, by the way. Um, and she said, well, fantastic. And, um, and because I'm called Holly Hurricane, I had moved on from my ex-husband um, and I'd have found my partner. Um, we actually got married in lockdown uh, at long last. Uh, thank you very much. We're still together, thank God. Um, and I had my son. So when I started Not On The High Street, 
He was three months old. Another thing I wouldn't recommend to anybody to do. Um, and he was our best man at wedding and it was all lovely. But in 2006, I basically started not on the high street. And one of the things I didn't quite realize is that we were one of the first out there. It was in a time where we didn't have social media. We didn't have smartphones. We had, we were just coming out of, do we, un hopefully people do remember here, the dial-up modem. Um, so we would have um, customers coming, not really knowing if they wanted to put their credit cards into the computer. Um, so many things. And so we had to educate an entire industry of small businesses that actually you needed great photography, great copy, all these sorts of things. Amazon was selling books at the time. eBay, you were selling your nan's socks that you got at Christmas and you were calling it nan's socks. Um, it was a completely different world. And if we had known that we were starting one of the first marketplaces in the world, uh, we never would have did it, done it. And that's where naivety is a phenomenal thing when you come to building companies. Um, I've only got 30 minutes here. Obviously, it would be a 17-year story here. But where it comes to, we sold Not on the High Street um, last February, and it's been one of the biggest privileges of my life. It's actually... I suppose made me me because I've now dedicated my life until I'm 90 to helping people build businesses doing what they love. Um, Not on the High Street has contributed over one billion pounds into the economy since it started, helping over 5,000 businesses. They have interned, you can imagine the stories, you know, employed to over 10,000 people. Kids have, were little ones and now went to uni, now come back and work for their parents. It's been an incredible ride, and we've actually made over 900 £1 million businesses. But one of the things I realized was as I was running around in triple spanks, high heels, and a tube dress with my PA running to the toilet with me, is that wasn't going to be the rest of my life. And what I wanted to do was, as I said, help people like I had thousands of people, and I'd seen the transformation in the actual human being not a seller, not a partner, the human being. I'd seen the transformation and I realized that that was my calling. And so, yes, it's been a fantastic moment to have built a business that was one of the first marketplaces in the world. We'd unhidden uh, an army of small businesses that really had been ignored up until that point in time. But one of the things I loved was we were harnessing the empathetic power of women. It was not designed for women at all. If you look at the tag with the blue ribbon, that was on purpose, right? Heaven forbid you'd wear pink, um, but those were the old days. But actually what it was, was we had tapped into the fact that women are very, very thoughtful. And it so happens that 90% of our partners were female, 95% of our customers were female. And so actually we started to really understand her. Understanding her as a small business, this is what led me to build Holly & Co. Holly & Co is basically, if you imagine Mr. Cadbury, when he built a village around his factory for his workers. I love this idea that if you thought that you were gonna start a business, normally people say, oh, it's such a lonely road. Do you know what I mean? Like you need to know what you're doing. You've got to try and join communities. I thought when I started, my goodness, I've watched all these people grow, but there isn't a home, so to speak, for small businesses. So that's what I set out to do, create a home for small businesses. And in that home, and we're gonna talk about purposes in a moment, I wanted to make sure that people were very, very clear what I was going to do for the next 45 years of my life. 
next 45 years of my life wasn't going to be um, selling to them. It was going to be working with them. And that, was, that meant that our KPI, the thing that we put out there, was our values and our missions from day one. One, to help people do what they love and build a business. Two, is to help the independent high street and help people vote with their money. Three, is to help women build businesses at the rate of men. And four, is to help the next generation be taught entrepreneurship, which they're not being taught in our education system. So from the start, I did things differently. I looked at what is the mission? What was going to happen? What's going to be on my headstone, even though I'll probably want to critique my coffin, maybe start a business in death, because no one's done that really well yet. But anyway, apart from that, what will be um, the, the, the point that everyone will talk to each other about? What's the glue? And I realized that we had to have missions outside of what we were doing. I also realized that business in general needed a facelift. It needed a new PR. It needed to understand that it wasn't the Dragon's Den. It wasn't The Apprentice. It wasn't gray, boring books. I absolutely love business. I dream business. I talk business. But that doesn't hopefully mean I'm a boring sod. This actually means that I'm incredibly happy and passionate but really why I believe in business and why I've done this to the business world is because actually business and starting your own business for me was the key to people living their happiest lives, where people were able to control their destiny, be their most creative selves, work their own hours. We're seeing this, this is all pre-COVID, right? And actually that's why I use the term business as something very, very liberating. And so what we've done over the last five, six, seven years is really create a world that feels very, very different to normally how you would address business. We've um, taken on, I've got conversations of inspiration. Thank you very much for the plug. It is pretty good, but I mean, would say that three and a half years in, 170, um, where I've interviewed founder to founder, but we get very, very soulful. Because actually the whole point is building a business takes your everything. It meant that I missed Harry's first steps. It meant I missed his first words. I know that's a bit of an Aaron Brockovich, but you know what I mean? It really was that. And so actually at the end of every single conversation, I asked Joe Malone, Richard Reed, Mark Constantine, Tim Smith, been so honored to talk to many people. Can you write a letter to your younger self? And 90% of the time we're in tears because it actually means something. I wrote a book that's in color. I'm dyslexic. It absolutely meant something to me. I'm on Instagram every day. You can follow me. I have events in churches. Uh, we have awards, which is the first awards, giving away £100,000 to small businesses. And you can see I've got a shop because I realized I couldn't just talk to those online. If I wanted to help the independent high street, I better walk the walk and not talk the talk. So I've done my fair share of cleaning out cesspits, thank you, with the marigolds. And it is hard work running a shop, I can tell you. So we've built this landscape so that it feels that when you start a business or you have a business, you're not alone. And I'm going to talk about this now. Because one of the things I've been asked to share is, what do I know to be true? What are the lessons that I've learned when actually talking to customers and absolutely connecting with them? Um, and so I've got five things that I would love to share with you today. 
One is to get uncomfortable. Uh, Jake Humphreys was on my podcast and he spoke to me about how when he is comfortable or when he has been comfortable in his journey, this is when everything goes wrong. And I would have to say I totally agree. And I think when we start out jobs or industries or into you know, an entrepreneurial journey, we're okay with uncertainty and being uncomfortable because it's all like part of the game. Then you get a bit tired and um, you have PTSD and you've got some therapy going on, whatever it is. But the point is, is that actually that uncertainty, that being uncomfortable, I would say is one of the biggest keys for myself as an entrepreneur and a business leader. I think we all try and become comfortable. We try and find the silver bullet. We try and find what is going to be that complete change. And I would I now realize that unless I am uncomfortable, and by the way, I'm uncomfortable every single day, but I am now comfortable with having that feeling surrounding me. That's actually my safety net. Because the second I think this is going all right, actually, do you know what I mean? Hey, wow, this is brilliant. This is where it goes wrong. And actually, this is where it doesn't allow you to be a thought leader, doesn't allow you to rip up the rule books. So anytime I do find myself in that state, I actually do break things or blow things up a bit. Not in a crazy entrepreneur way, I'm not one of those ones, but more in that sort of thing where I understand we should forever, ever be healing and growing rather than actually sitting somewhere where we're quite smug and happy with ourselves. So number one is of looking at the customers, and I was talking to a few folk before this, is actually you should probably feel quite uncomfortable because uncomfortable means that you're going to strive for better. Um, the second thing was I was quite shocked when I started building Holly & Co was how many businesses or the lack of businesses talking to me emotionally. And I'm sure that we use the word emotion. I mean, I'm a huge advocate for the word emotion now. I'm a highly emotional female and incredibly proud. It's got nothing to do with tears. It's got everything to do with my thoughts. And so when I started Holly & Co, I realized how we lack this ability to connect. What brands, as a 45-year-old woman, was I actually connecting to? And there were very, very little. And when we think about consciously consuming, it's of course about the environment, but it's more about I'm consciously with you as a brand. I'm connecting. My head's not necessarily connecting, but my heart is. And this is where I feel the magic is and where I think anybody who goes into this territory absolutely will win. We make 33,000 decisions every single day. And 90% of those, 95% of those decisions are emotional decisions. And yet, when I receive my marketing communication, if I talk to brands, it feels like I'm actually in the 5% of my decision making, which is about logic. And actually, I'm not about logic at all when I consume. Like, if you can, if you talk to me, well, I, I'm a good customer, by the way, just uh, I'm in retail, I'm one of your top thingies, whatever. But anyway, that's beside the point. I'm just saying to you that this is one of the things I realize. And when I speak to my small businesses and who are all of them so insecure, they don't feel like they've swallowed the business Bible, right? That's what they think they should have. And I talk to them about their story, about how they're connecting 
And absolutely, they start to gain confidence, which is where I say to them, this is where some of the bigger brands, they don't do this. This is what you could do. And it's a very simple fact, but actually, once you know this, you can't unknow it. Are you talking to people's head or are you talking to people's hearts? Because um, everything um, that I know now is absolutely about, you know, not in the high street, Holly and Co. is about building communities, groups of people who care about what I'm building. You know, that's really, I suppose, I'm not going to do any, I, I promised my husband I wouldn't do anything again anyway, but I absolutely promise this time. Holly and Co. is the last one. But on this, I care greatly about what my um, audience and my community think. I convert them, not in a sort of religious way, but it's about <clears throat> talking to them so that they become fans, not in a Beyonce way, but in a a way that actually you're talking to them, to their hearts. We share values, the four values, that I, missions that I spoke about, they share that at the same time. And in order to do this, you need to basically build a community. And actually I speak to a lot of people about communities, you know, head of community, community executive, all these sorts of things. And I was speaking to someone the other day and they said, oh, we built a community. And it was actually really good. We had two and a half thousand people in it. And I said, but why are they there? Oh, well, you know, they're all part of the same industry. They're all part of the same, um, you know, roles or jobs or all those sorts of things. And I said, yeah, but why are they there? And he didn't, he couldn't answer that question. The point is, is that he wasn't talking to two and a half thousand humans. He was just clubbing to them together because they had a shared life in some way. And I spoke to them, but what is your purpose of your community outside of what you sell and what you do? Why are you all gathered? We are time for what is the mission and the purpose of this community? And he said, there wasn't any. And I said, well, that's why your community didn't work. Because you can't just club people together because they bought the same item and call it a community. A community has a heart. We just spoke about this. It has a heart. The community is the blood that pumps around it. So for me at Holly & Co, we have shared missions. I actually built um, a Facebook group for them. And I, I, I just sent out a simple post for people, if they'd like to come together, that a few of our small businesses have created something called Friends of Holly & Co. And I'm gonna show a few pictures afterwards. We had 7,000 people join in three weeks. I did nothing they joined together because they had already discovered that they had a shared mission. They liked what I stood for, but really I'm just a beacon for what they were thinking anyway. And so this is one of the things I would say about community. And this is one of my favorite ever, hence I spent a fortune on this little flag that hangs in our office. You know, Margaret Mead quotes, never doubt a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it is the only thing that ever has. And that keeps me really thinking about who I employ, not building an empire, better, you know, making sure that we have the right people in our community, the right people in our office. And it's basically, this is just, um, I think, the future. You know, community is what we're going to be all tested upon in the future. This is going to be uh, the new, and I'm sure you're all aware of it, but when I look at my future, I'm not going to spend really a penny on classic marketing. 
it will all be through my community. And that is how I will judge myself as well. The second point is, um, the second, fourth point, um, is that really the community and everything that we build and everything you build, and you need to ask yourself, they need to rally around something. You know, we talked about my four missions at the start. Do you believe that you have missions in your business, actual missions? When you go home and talk to your children and they don't really understand what you do, that's okay. But could you, could you say something to them that they do understand? Is it that human what you do? And if not, I would question it. Because ultimately what I've found over the last 20 years is that, you know, as much as technology is growing and mention me is absolutely fantastic and in the future, I'd love to be a client of yours. I, I, I agree with all of that. But ultimately, before all of the add-ons come in and you start using this amazing technology, I think these are the things you've got to get sorted first because these are the things that are the strongest muscle. We can all rely on so many bolt-ons, can't we? But ultimately, if you haven't got your foundations in order, when the storm hits, you're going to be the first to blow down. What is your point of purpose? What is your point of difference beyond your products? What is the heart of your company? What do you personally care about? Is that the same as what the company cares about? Does your customer even know that? Because this is really going to be the future when you believe in humans. And even if you don't have founders at the head, et cetera, et cetera, do you have spokespeople? Do you have people that people can connect to? Because it's going to be a really human ride, I would say, in the future. As much as it's going to be endorsed by AI and it's going to be phenomenal, it's going to be a really human ride. And absolutely, this is fundamentally crucial. And I'm sure you all know this and have already been here. And, but this is what I would say I know to be true. Once you have your heart and your purpose, what you care about when you're washing your hair, that why you go to your job every single day. Once you have that community who are already caring about what you care about and have already gone and set up their own Facebook group and absolutely are your advocates. And once you're talking to them in a meaningful way, a way that truly connects with them. And once they feel their heart engaging with your business and not just their head, this is when you'll start to see what a true fan will do to your business. It is absolutely remarkable. And this is only the future I'm going to be investing in from now on, and, and have been, is that I believe, even though I hope it's more than a thousand, I believe in this philosophy, that what that true fan will do rather than a passerby is fantastic. And engaged, passionate um, less is far more than a take it or leave it more. You know, this is what we have to remember. And absolutely, it's in your power to form those relationships. So I just thought I would show you who I think, who I'm just sort of interested in at the moment. Great, great, um, uh, great print if you want it. Um, but it's from a guy called Dave Buonaguidi. And who I think really um, is connecting and doing some of the things that I have just spoken about. One would be, did you all see Jamie Oliver in the Eaton mess? I nearly went, bless him, but then it absolutely poured with rain at 12.30. So I was there. I, I absolutely made the Eaton mess, first thing I've made this year. But I was there. 
Um, last week, he basically called on his community at 12.30 to join him outside of number 10 due to the government delaying their promises to help combat childhood obesity. And he absolutely called it. It was pissing rain. And there were thousands that turned up. Now, here is Jamie, I would say, at his best. He's now top of mind. I wasn't really looking at his posts. Now I am. I'm actually looking at reels, and I'm not a big reel girl. But this is the thing. And funny enough, uh, I bought a cookbook yesterday because he is top of mind. Now, he's not doing this for this reason, by the way. I absolutely know he's not. But do you see that I absolutely cared about what he cared about, and suddenly I'm invested in him? And I bought a cookbook. Not that he wanted me to buy a cookbook, but I did. Another business I would say that I was talking about only this morning is Beauty Pie. Marcia is a great friend. She's on my podcast, <coughs> um, Marcia Kilgore. She started Bisplas, um, Bis, Bisplas? No, Bliss Spas. Uh, she started Fit Flops, Soap and Glory, and now Beauty Pie. She's a phenomenal woman. And people say, oh, she's a serial entrepreneur. And I'm like, no, she's not a serial entrepreneur. She is a woman founder who understands women. That is what she has done. And she has built four phenomenal businesses. Her second raise for Beauty Pie is three years old, is $100 million. And they're looking at it to become the next unicorn, which I'm quite disappointed about. I still thought I was one of the only people who knew about it, but she made me feel like that. So this is the thing, and I actually feel that one of the things I think about Beauty Pie is not only have I listened to Marcia, not only do I believe, but she has helped me be a feminist even more. She has, I think it's a feminist act when I buy this stuff. Because what she's saying to me is for so long, women have been spending 150 pounds on a face cream that actually now I'm buying for 14 pounds. She's made me feel that way. So guess what I do, referral here, is I just tell everybody who I care about. I don't tell anyone that I don't care about, but I do tell people I care about because she's made me feel something that we are all women together, clubbing together to rise against something. Another example would be um, this fantastic company called Patchwork. It used to, it, it's a, um, a wedding list company. And recently what I found is what it's done is it's absolutely changed its offering and saying 50% of its fee, it hasn't increased its fee, 50% of its fee is going to planet Earth. And so now throughout all its copy, everything that you do, if you're going to start a list or anything, you know that you're going to be helping the planet and it tells you along the journey, every time you put a product onto that list, it tells you what you're doing for the environment. It was a fantastic little turnaround for me. And one now, I have two people getting married and I've advocated for this business. Another would be Mark Constantine from Lush. He's always looking to bring his values into what he is creating. And so recently, he has famously come off most the, the largest social media platforms. And so when I think about that, again, from a customer point of view, what is that message that's being sent to me as a customer? It's like he stands for something. This is what matters to me. And absolutely, it's a bath bomb. And Harry's 17, and she, he should have got out of bath bombs by now. But I still go to Waterloo and get a few for him. But absolutely, I still think to myself, 
This is a business who stands for something. I'm so happy to support them, even though they're 20, 30 years old. They haven't sold out. They haven't sold through. So even the little markers that he's giving to me as a customer are not such little markers, by the way. And absolutely, slightly depressingly, as a woman on Instagram most of my life, is it hasn't changed sales whatsoever. And the last but not least is um, when I said about this community, what I've now realized is that actually across the country, we have communities from the Friends of Holly & Co all getting together. This was last week where they just happened to say, Holly, we're in your shop. And there were 25 people there. They were arranging their own groups, talking about things. They had taken my last emailers and made it their agendas to talk about. I was like, oh my God, I really hope that's interesting for you. But this is where I'm saying that this purpose, this values, this speaking from the heart is creating, I hope, lifelong friends of Holly & Co. And my question to you is, are you creating lifelong friends? Are you actually traveling in your job with your customers, doing something you both care about, except transacting, except for transacting, sorry. And so that would be, the, um, I'm going to leave you, um, not leave you, I'm going to just play you one thing. And I'm going to hope because I haven't, I haven't. Uh, what if the oh, biggest. Yeah. There we go. This is a um, video. Last year, we started something called Color Friday. And I realized when I was about to show this who I was talking to. So it's a day that I'm asking people on the same day as Black Friday, which might be quite a big deal for you guys, I understand. But I'm just asking, if anyone had any more money to spend, I'm, going, I'm calling it Colour Friday, where I'm also asking people to consider small businesses on that day. This is an advert we pulled together last Colour Friday. It was, um, we pulled it together, uh, we had uh, 90,000 um, mentions. <coughs> and it cost us a thousand pounds to pull together. Um, and it was built purely from the community. And the entire thing from concept to filming to practically delivery was done in eight days. Obviously horrific, but it was in eight days. And it just goes to show you that's because I could call on our true fans because we all cared about the same mission that we were able to pull something like this together. What if the biggest day in the retail year was reinvented with a little more colour and cheer? Imagine the thousands of lives we could change if we shopped with a small business in a simple exchange. If we all bought just one more gift off our list from the colourful ones that we're all glad exist, swapped our usual go-tos and all took a stand to support creativity all over the land, help more women like us to set up on our own, and showed minis what can be achieved when they're grown. Championed those turning heads with their pure works of art, inspired those in the rat race to make a fresh start, helped designers like Donna fuel a happy obsession, and artists like Arthouse to embrace self-expression, We'd support those with talent to make things their way, building community spirit across the UK. Help families thrive and earn money to live. We'd feel proud of ourselves and the gifts that we give. Could we use our combined spending power for good? What a difference we'd make if only we could. Support Colour Friday and all that it means. Wouldn't Christmas be more colourful for all human beings?
So just before I go, um, I always just like to end um, uh, a talk with this slide, which is that I've really enjoyed today. Um, I hope it's been interesting. On my 40th birthday, um, I was very obsessed with efficiency. Well, I am obsessed with efficiency. Um, and I wanted to know how many days I had left on the planet. So I got my little calculator out and I tapped away and I realized it was 29,000 days if I'm lucky. But the news got a bit worse because actually I had 14,000 days left. Now I haven't topped that up because it's five years on because I don't really want to know. But the principle is that I live every single day as if it is my last day. I try and help as many people as I can. I know when I wake up in the morning, I can make a difference. I can make a connection. And I know that I'll never get this day back. So I just want to leave you with this, which is the least, least thing is it's not, it's not depressing at all. What it does do, though, is sharpen your mind into every single day that you've got on this planet and the changes that you can make to your businesses, to your customers, to your family, to your world. And anyway, I've really enjoyed this half an hour I've been able to spend with you on this very day. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this Advocacy Engineered presentation. To find out more about Mention Me and how our advocacy-first approach could drive growth for your business, visit mention-me.com.